Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 38 of the How We See Things podcast. Um, I'm Sesman Hicks, and I'm here with my co-host, Dan Stark. Dan, how you doing? Hello, hello. I'm good. I'm good. Not too bad. Um, the weather's not so great over yeah. here in the United Kingdom. But um, yeah, no, it's been a good weekend. Um, it's been interesting times, I think, since... Uh, also, not a great time to be a Chelsea fan, for what it's worth. I mean, you didn't really have to say that, but uh, <laughs> at the moment, I'm focusing on my Los Angeles Lakers. Um, oh, right, right. We're 2-1 up against the Grizzlies, so you know we're doing great at the moment. Um, Dylan Brooks, you know, got his his dish served cold. Um, and I mean, John ja, ja Morant's a bad guy, you know, 45 yeah. points. But Lakers are just a team now, you know, so ever since we got rid of that... Uh, <sighs> Westbrook, Ooh, Westbrook, yeah. Hello. Okay. And, um, to be honest, the pieces that we had just were not cohesive. Um, I feel like, yeah, we just have. I mean, you guys have LeBron now. The Lakers have LeBron now, so there's always like you know, there's, there's always, always the, a chance. Like, Bron, there's always LeBron. Yeah, but I think AD actually. This is AD's team. I think it's for the fact now that like Golden State isn't isn't in the playoffs, I think that makes it kind of like a shoe in almost for. I mean, the West is kind of really the West is really really open this year. So you do have Golden State technically are still in, but I think they're down either three one or. Three oh, so numbers. this like this is like the the. It's the first this? round, yeah. It's the first round. So like, okay, the, the you have the kind of what I call the first round, and you have the semifinals or semi. Okay, okay. Conference finals. Then you get to the conference finals. Then you get to the obviously the, the NBA finals. The NBA finals. I think, yeah. You obviously have uh, Phoenix with Durant, Booker, Chris Paul. That's a tough squad. They'll be good, I think. But, you know, I think the Lakers have a great chance. Lakers have really good ball handlers. LeBron, Austin Reeves, AD in the paint. Nobody can lock down AD. I mean, only Yanis, really, I feel, would mm. go one-on-one. Because I feel like AD would, Yeah, yeah. AD would eat up, um, what's his name, Embiid. We'll eat up Embiid. I mean, Embiid will have his game. Don't don't get me wrong. Embiid is a is a baller as well. But I just feel like when AD is in the mood defensively, yeah, so, he's so active. Blocks. I mean, speaking of yeah, like speaking speaking of speaking of ballers, um, you know, for for those who don't know, Dan in his day job happens to be a lawyer, and I guess like I'm curious, Dan, if if you if you came back to work with a seven hundred and eighty seven million dollar settlement, um, what? You're not only an anarchist, you're also <laughs> an instigator. You're like that guy. What's the name of that guy who does the skits on Twitter on um Twitter? Mark, isn't it Mark Fields or something? You know the guy I'm talking about. He's like instigator. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> or, 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 that black guy, RDS is the RDS. Yeah, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know his um I don't know his actual nah, so some for, for some background, like you know, Dominion Voting Systems is a technological like software company that had like a hardware company as well that deployed some of their machines across the US in twenty twenty election. Because Trump lost and because Republicans are fucking crazy, they came up with all sorts of conspiracy theories. You know, around Dominion involvement, you know, with with the election, Dominion manipulating the results, um, Dominion, I guess, like coordinating with somebody in Cuba or with some Italian satellites to change the election results. Fox News, mm-hmm. as, as always, went crazy with like a bunch of lies, and so Dominion sued them, 
um, you know, to call for damages, claiming that they had effectively destroyed the mini's reputation in yeah. the U.S. and cost them, you know, some some business basically. Um, the the case, you know, I guess I came up with came up against some standards, some existing like free speech quote unquote standards that are in the U.S. You know, like New York Times versus Sullivan effectively protects. Um, it's a ruling that protects, you know, news organizations from from defamation claims. Yeah. Um, but but there's like a fair reporting, you know, standard and a, that that exists basically that basically says that like as a reporter, if somebody is coming on your channel to spew some lies, or if if a political faction believes something, no matter how crazy it is, you have I guess like you're required to platform them essentially. Yeah. You know, you're required to hear those views out. Um, but I think what Dominion was able to establish was that Fox News crossed the line, mm-hmm. um, you know, clearly. And they were able to establish that, like, not only were they lying, but that they knew they were lying because they had, like, you know, the, in, in, over the course of discovery, all these text messages came out between conversations between Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingraham, Sean Hannity, talking about how they hate Trump, how they don't believe any of the shit they're talking about. Um, bottom line, um, they, they, they were faced with the prospect of Rupert Murdoch having to testify, some of Fox News hosts having to testify. So yeah. once it got to trial, you know, they, they basically called it off and it settled, yeah, for a huge, settled. almost a billion dollars. Um, well, what, what mean, do you make of all of this time? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of, that's that's the beauty of, I think, the legal process is that it's yeah. very much fact-based. It's very much evidence-based. What did what happened on one side? What did the other side say? I think Dominion obviously took the right stance because if you're a company that provides services or machines or things that provide services and you rely on your reputation, then defamation has a particularly damaging impact. I mean, I say that because most ro- most jobs require you to have a public impact, which is you have you know a, a right reputation, like you know. Even like NFL players in provision of their services can get damaged by a bad story. So, um, shout out to CJ Stroud. Um, they're trying to dox this brother. Um, and also shout out to Lamar Jackson. Ravens pay up, man. Stop being tight. Um, but yeah. Anyways, back to the point. So Dominion, I think they, they did the right thing. Fox being Fox, you know, there's internal, and this is the thing that people need to understand. When you're having certain conversations on certain platforms, you need to be very careful. Things like email things like text messages. Um, there's something called discovery in the United States yeah, or disclosure yeah. in the common law jurisdictions of the UK and its former dominions. These things will come to light if there gets to the litigation. So... I mean, give, give, give some background. Explain to the people what, like, what disclosure or discovery right. is. So mm. discovery slash disclosure is a very key part of the process where dispute X is substantiated. The court essentially provides a forum where your evidence is reviewed by your opponent. Therefore, internal communications, which are not privileged, I'm not going to go into what privilege is, but essentially mm-hmm. it's communication between yourself and your lawyer or in contemplation of litigation itself. So those are the two broad areas. So litigation advice slash what we call legal advice privilege. So legal advice is where you're talking to your lawyer essentially for the purpose of legal advice. Now, most internal commercial comms would not fall within that because they're talking about commercial decisions. They're talking about perhaps in this situation, editorial decisions at Fox, right? How we're going to approach Dominion, what we're going to say about them on air, who's going to say what. Those are not necessarily going to be privileged. So you need to be very careful when you're having those kind of communications on, like I said, on email. And that's why 
any self-respecting company has good practice things on, you know, they have really good guidelines on how your emails communication should be. I mean, the, 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 you never know. Those, those guys are folks. I don't think ever expected that they would get sued. I imagine they've been sued before, but yeah, at the time when you're doing these things, when you're having these conversations, you forget people, human nature, people don't think, oh, I'm actually, I mean, lawyers were trained to think like that. So yeah. it's slightly different. <laughs> but, no, I mean, uh, I think also like the, the general like impunity that, that pervades, you know, Fox News and like the conservative like infotainment like ecosystem, they just feel like they can do whatever they want. And yeah, that's correct. It. Yeah. And I, I so think... I, I don't think they ever expected in their wildest dreams to have to face possible consequences like of their actions, um, you know, which is why they said to um, just just like you know, follow up follow up points is that like some people believe that you know um, Dominion should have taken them to court, like Dominion should have gone for it. I think Dominion was suing them for you know I think one point something billion dollars, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and there was there was the prospect of having like I said before, Rupert Murdoch on the stand, Laura Ingraham on the stand, it's a strategy thing. Litigation is a big part of it is strategy. A big part of it is liability. A big part of it is understanding that good lawyers don't get to court, shouldn't get to court, right? If you learn anything from suits, as unrealistic as it was, Mm. how many times did you see Harvey Specter in court, right? Um, And how many times did you see Jessica in court? Now, the thing is, in that kind of situation, the damage of having the head honcho of Fox having to wit- testify as a witness, go through the rigor. And this is what people don't understand. You just see people, you watch things like, uh, what's the one, the newest one now is Reasonable Doubt or whatever. Oh, yeah. You see all these courtroom dramas and you're just like, the witness just turns up the day before. Nah, they get trained for mm. weeks, for months. You're talking about a litigation, you said to circa 1.7 or 8 billion, let's say, for argument's sake. The legal fees on that, Will be eye watering. I'm not going to go. Yeah. I'm not going to speculate. Right? We're talking Wall Street top, top, top firms. It's taking like five five hundred dollars an hour. So you know, oh people are saying Dominion should take it all the way. Dominion might have big pockets. Yes, they might want to make a stand in terms of this is our business, our reputation. But they're also not stupid. They're not going to litigate something that's going to cost them. Because yeah. taking the case to the settlement portion. Right, so taking it to discovery alone, because discovery requires man hours and woman hours and them hours and day hours, people sifting through boxes and gigabytes of emails, WhatsApps, messages, iMessages, blah 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 blah. Yeah. So that's costing them thousands of dollars every day. Okay, so by the time they get to that stage, Dominion have expended quite a lot of money, a lot of effort. Keep in mind. Dominion staff, senior staff, who should be getting involved in propagating the business of Dominion, will have to be spending time instructing their lawyers. So when people litigate, the actual staff spend a lot of time having been involved in the legal process. They're not working. Mm. You're losing money. Dominion would have had to deal with maybe also staff who've left, for example, who they need to include in the process. So then you have to find out, you know, there's ways about engaging them, essentially employing them as, you know, witnesses. Obviously, they're speaking to what they did. So when you're saying, why didn't they litigate? Why did they settle? This is different from the Abadu Confederacy um, Chicago situation. Yeah. Dominion are in the right. They have a very verifiably proven case. Fox have essentially settled. And again, I haven't seen the papers because I know in the US you can settle with prejudice, without prejudice, all those kind of things. What does that mean? Essentially, 
if you're starting with prejudice, there's an understanding that you're basically accepting guilt. That's the that's essentially what it is. But you both parties agree that okay, you've accepted guilt in exchange for your punishment in a civil matter, which is X amount of money. Now, the settlement amount, like you say, is in excess of one billion. So give or take legal costs. It's almost it's almost a billion, seven hundred and eighty seven yeah. million dollars, yeah. Right. So give or take the legal fees, if the actual initial claim was for like one point seven, Dominion have probably spent three. No, well, I, I, I think I think I read that like the settlement alone is about ten x or so what Dominion as a company is worth. Um, so like yeah. Dominion don't because if they get to litigation, you don't know what points. And sorry, they're obviously litigating already. What I mean is, they get, if they actually get to court, get to a trial, yeah, trial process again. I don't practice in the US, so I can't really speak to their process. But my understanding is that you would have yourself then, as certain as your case might be, this is still defamation. This is one of those things where it's very much, they bring their case law, you bring your case law. Yes, they said this or said that. There might be some technicality, the judge, all these kinds of factors. My understanding is that, like, my understanding is, like, with regards to the terms of the settlements, like, first and foremost, Fox is not required to admit anything on air. Um, so none of the Fox people are required to come out and say, oh, we lied or anything like that. Um, and, you know, like, I think David French had a good article in the, in the Times basically talking about the fact that Fox paid for the privilege to continue being corrupt. They're like, you know what? We're about $4 billion liquid in cash. What's seven hundred eighty-seven, you know, million dollars to us? All right, all right. Far like, be from me to ever defend that news channel. But let me put mm-hmm. it like this: that's one view, definitely. The view you've just espoused is one view. However, look at it from this point of view: um, Fox have also convenience. They've they've set off their liability, so they've essentially said this is how much that error cost us, right? And this is how much we're paying to be able to test the limits again. Because ultimately what it is, is it's a situation yeah, they're, where... they're paying for the privilege of, of corruption, paying to be able to continue uh, doing, like... But, but the challenge with that is that if you say very well, so again, I don't know the facts, facts. I know obviously the general facts, but I haven't read court documents. I don't know the arguments being placed forward. The reason I'm a bit cautious with that is because America has this... Very, your rights are so entrenched. They create some issues sometimes, right? This freedom of speech thing, for example, because, and that's why I said you don't necessarily want to take it all the way it has to go. You just mentioned now dominion size. I wasn't sure of the value of the company. The fact that the company is only worth like 200K is an issue because if they're 100, because it's 10X, whatever, right? And they settle for nearly 1 billion, 100 million is an issue because if they were to fight this, Fox would fight this all the way to the Supreme Court, potentially. Because if it's a freedom of speech issue, and that's what I'm saying, it's not necessarily as simple as Fox. That's why, like, litigation, it's, it's all about strategy. People think it's, um, the legal advisors would have sat them down and said, what are your priorities? What are our arguments? How strong are the arguments? Do we want to pursue this? Do we want to make this essentially a constitutional issue, which is what you do when you take it to the Supreme Court? Now, the freedom of speech, we've discussed this on this podcast a long, a long many, many times, is so wide in the US. It's too strong, right? In circumstances where, again, I don't know the exact wording that Fox used, because what the court would do is not just say, oh, Dominion said this on this podcast, on this podcast with Sean, with X person or Y person. They would actually look at the wording. 
what did the excerpt person say? In the context of that saying, were they expressing their freedom of speech? Was it that they said something in a way that wasn't, you know? And no, no, no. So, so, so what, what, no, what New York Times is, is, no, what, what New York Times versus Sullivan, I think, established is that you have to be able to prove actual malice to be able to sue somebody successfully for defamation. Mm-hmm. Actual malice meaning that, like, the person knew that they were lying when they said what they said yeah. and still said it anyway. Um, so in, in Fox's case, what the, what Dominion has been able to establish with the release of all those like text messages and all that, they've said it within themselves. They knew that the stuff was, they knew that they were lying. Okay. They knew where I think they might have a, where I think they might have a problem is as you rightly pointed out, um, the, the model that I think Dominion used to establish damages apparently was kind of faulty because I mean, you're, you're saying a company worth hundred million dollars. Um, how much are your machines? How are you able to establish a claim of exactly. one point something billion? You know, exactly. so you run the risk of Dominion, We're saying, oh yeah, it was convenient for Fox. It was also convenient for Dominion to take yeah. the one million because <laughs> this is you have to be balanced. And this is very convenient now to work in with seven with seven hundred million dollars because one big thing about litigation when you get to the trial stage is there something called costs. The judge will rule on costs. When all this is said and done, and there are many cases in the UK where, um, in terms of privacy, IP, all these kind of things, all these kind of defamation, civil suits of like, someone said something about a newspaper, the actual award in the end might just be like 50K or seven. Like, because by the time the court looks at the cost, the actual percentage, duh, 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 like you said, that formulation... And the lawyers would know that. They would have been like, look, cool. Because it's almost like you start off with, like, think of a dartboard. You start off on 501, right? Every leg, you start off on 501. You can check out different ways. So you can check, you can do 180, 180, 180. Sorry for the non-darts players. You can do 180, 180. You can do triple 19. You know, there's different checkouts on a dartboard. Mm. Now, it might be like they've checked out, they're working to get to that 800, circa 900 million. Is in one they've they've crafted it in a mm. particular way, but then let's say it's atypical. It's an atypical checkup. It's not what you would usually expect for them to have. Because then, when you get to court, there will be scrutiny on that. You have what is called a quantum expert. Yeah, and no. The job is to then go to the financials, dive in. You might even have like an actual expert. You have a voice expert who will come and you'll play clips of what was said, the tonation. You have somebody that, an expert in like TV audience reactions. So they will come and they will say, this is how people, they will look at Fox's numbers. How did numbers go up? Did numbers come down? Was it, this is the level of scrutiny <laughs> that this is what trial means. Me what, but, but, but the difficulty and what, like, like I said, what makes it hard for Fox News and kind of like in Dominion's I mean, favor is, it, yeah, is that again, if they get Rupert Murdoch, if they get any of these guys on stand and say, did you believe this claim? Because like, it's, it's not just like, you know, the, the host themselves, the producers who, you know, produce these shows, who are the ones that are setting like the agenda or the topics to be discussed. Um, you know, this thing is false. And it wasn't as if they were just having guests coming on. People like Maria Barbatiromo or like Lou Dobbs, you know, um, or I think this guy just lost his job there, Dan, Dan Bongino um, at Fox News. There were actual Fox News hosts who were saying like a bunch of crazy stuff um, that, that cost him a lot of money. Um, I, I think like um, another question, I guess, like or another path to explore is, do you think there are any free speech 
issues at stake here because some lawyers who are sympathetic to Fox News, you know, I'm listening to Star is going advise your opinions. Um, people who are sympathetic to Fox News, Fox News claim that, you know, if, if you were to examine the emails at CNN or the emails at MSNBC or the emails at New York Times, any of these news organizations, um, and at, at any point in time, maybe if they refer to somebody as racist or if they refer to like a bill that passed in Florida as like a don't say gay bill, or if they refer to like w- w- whatever, you know, claim that they made that like this, this, this has crossed the line because at, at every point in time, like, you know, reporters, I guess, like should be free to say whatever they want. Um, do you think there are any like free speech issues at stake here? And that's what I meant when I said Fox, it, you, the, the two things that they would not have wanted is their big boss anywhere near a stand. They mm-hmm. just the time, the inconvenience, and the reputational damage. Number one, they big risk. Just wouldn't want him to be asked direct questions about. Did you know that this very damaging thing was being said? They wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want him to answer that on the stand, right? So that's one. Second point, and this was what I was saying about the freedom of speech thing. It's so strong in the US in a way where <sighs> you almost have to look at it as, and we don't know the. Again, when anybody comes to you and they're like, oh, what's your view on this? If you don't have the facts, you need to caveat. Until you see those emails, until you see the text or WhatsApp, and there will be bundles and bundles of this stuff with highlighters. There will be key phrases logged onto a spreadsheet. There will be the most, there will be what we call those silver bullets. Yeah, (laughs) There will be those, those, those very selected excerpts that'll be read out in court. Now, there is, there is the defense of, of freedom of speech is almost absolute, almost, almost, especially in a post-Trumpian society in the US. I mean, not, not quite now, right? We, we've established, yeah, we've established that, like, that if, if, if it can be proven... If you can be proven that you knew yeah. what you were saying was a lie, you can't you can't hide behind like free speech. That's true. That's true. But often people are becoming very smart about, and that's why what like, they say. Yeah, companies. Yeah, have, yeah. Companies have ways of, and that's why you can never substitute for conversations had in those that know about smoking areas and places like this, or after work drinks or after work events. These are where the real conversations happen that shape some of the business decisions that are made. They're not made over emails. Um, so the freedom of speech point, I know it's something that Fox has used before, and it's something that they use generally to they say, look, we know we're harsh. We know we're providing this very strong point of view, but we feel like that's all right, and we have to speak up for those who hold the same point of view. That's another key point. Now, if you're looking at the constitutional right, it derives constitutional right derives efficacy from the fact that it is still of importance to a majority, or there's still not that two thirds to change it. There's still it still derives efficacy from the fact that most people agree that this is a fundamental right. Right now, if you look at someone like Fox, the reason they're so strong. Whether or not the silent majority, you think they're silent, a lot of people still watch them. That's the truth. A lot of people in the US still watch and believe Fox. So now let's get to this particular point. I think it's just that they've been caught with their hand. It's the fact that there's pointed messages saying, oh, this is a lie. If those didn't exist, it, the outcome could be different, to be honest. Because no, yeah, I, I mean, 
yeah. definitely. But like that, that, that's the entire point, right? That, and that's what I'm saying. Like people, people were saying that like, yeah, sure. Like if you examine the emails at any point in time from producers at CNN or producers at MSNBC, you would likely see exchanges that kind of dispute what the hosts are saying on air. So, for example, when they were talking about like Mueller investigation and Trump Russia stuff, um, and Richard Mada was going all out on it, that they are pretty sure that like if you check producers' emails at MSNBC, but I guess like the answer to that would be nobody was suing, you know, nobody else come forward to sue MSNBC, nobody else come forward to sue. I think CNN had to settle, um, you know, with some Covington Catholic kids. There, there are a bunch of kids. I don't know if you remember the story that went viral. Um, some kids went to DC on like some excursion, and a mm. video came out of them. You know, um, some Native American guy was beating a drum and there was a bunch of kids in MAGA hats. So it seemed, the story seemed perfect. Like, oh, these racist white kids terrorizing this, like, Native American uh, person. But then it turned out, like, like, and it got, like, lots of coverage, you know, and everything. And it turned out, like, there was no, there, there wasn't anything to the story. Like, it was more complex than, you know, what they said. It wasn't actually a racist encounter. The background was different. And so CNN had to pay. Um, CNN had to settle with, um, with those kids. So, like, I guess, like, there's a risk that, like, you know, you open the door for everyone. And I think Fox felt pretty confident that, like, if they got to the Supreme Court, they had some reliable partisans, like, that they could rely on, you know, to get them out of the jam. Um, but, I mean, America and the UK, like you said, America and the UK are countries where defamation is a civil offense, yeah, not criminal. Yeah. Um, moving on, moving on to, you know, where we're both from, Nigeria, where defamation is a criminal offense, not... A civil offense, and no, 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 is defamation a criminal offense in Nigeria? You are first taken to, you are first taken to jail. Like if if somebody accuses you of defamation, they will first arrest you first and take you to prison before they prove anything successfully in court. Um, so on on February twenty fifth, I think like the presidential election, a Twitter activist by the name of Chud tweeted something about some popular PDP financier um, and how, you know, he had sponsored some area boys to steal ballot boxes, basically, in his, in his state in Anambra. Uh, this guy apparently is suing truth for defamation. Um, and in a normal place, even if it's a criminal offense, you first sue, succeed in your, in your suit and then take the person to jail but in Nigeria, it's the other way around. And because this guy is very wealthy, Chud was first whisked to Abuja by DSS or something stupid like that. And then now has been arrested again because the guy is pursuing his defamation claim. Um, Dan, first of all, what do you make of the fact that, like, I guess, like, defamation in Nigeria? And, like, that cyber-stalking, cyber, it's, there's such flimsy laws, like, like, like in general. What, what's your take on the whole Chud? Um, so it's, a real, it's a real, like, it's really unfortunate. Mm. Um, to think that in what claims and what aims and what strives a highly educated society, I must stress, uh, particularly of the southern, <laughs> southern extraction, but if you look across Africa in terms of the actual number of people educated per capita, you know, Nigeria is up there in the world. Um, it just seems to be, and we have these structures in place, you know, there's a legal system, there's an understanding of what civil disputes mean versus criminal. There's processes, but people don't follow the process. Those who are supposed to enact the institutions don't follow the process. And ultimately, 
it comes down, unfortunately, I think, to proliferation of using entities, using money to subvert the system, right? Because there shouldn't be a way where someone who's very wealthy is able to tell the police. And it happens in Nigeria a lot. They weaponize the police and they, you know, go and arrest X, Y, or Z. They've done this to me. Now, I don't know knowledge. Again, I have no knowledge of the direct tweets. I don't, I haven't looked into defamation law in Nigeria. I don't practice there, so I can't, you know, really speak to the technicalities. But we know that defamation is a civil matter, you know? And no, no, no. It's, 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 a criminal, it's a criminal matter in Nigeria. No, no, no. I, I, what I'm saying is that, like, we know that in the West, sorry, it's yeah. a civil matter. I wanted to touch on now. But, no, but, no, but not, not everywhere in the West. Like, I think in Canada, for example, it's, yes. it's they're like it's, it's both a civil and a criminal issue. It's um, a civil and I think in, in many other places, it's also criminal too. There are a few places like America and the UK where the free speech yeah, that doctrine where, where is, is extreme. Let me, let me mm. be more, let me be clearer. And because the West includes Australia, Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. the UK and America, it's a civil matter. And even when there are criminal... It's usually this is all very is very high. This is this is all very news. Um, and this is all kind of coming in the last two decades as well with the proliferation, really, of the internet. Right, the idea that you can harm someone's reputation in a way where you couldn't before. So, whilst you could defame in the past, you know, it could maybe spread through newspaper or maybe. You know, it was usually reserved for those newspapers or, or people who had the power to publish. An individual could only tell so many people, <laughs> a, you know, a negative statement, right? Yeah. Now, obviously, with a stroke of a tweet, with an Instagram post, with a Facebook post, you can defame someone, you know, <laughs> you see it on Facebook groups. No, but the, the, the question yeah. is, should you or I be able to call Tinubu, for example, a drug dealer without fear of arrest? The issue here is the particulars, I think it's a cyber stalking um, um, legislation yeah, yeah, that gives yeah. this criminal angle to it. In the UK, I think they're trying to bring in some, I don't know if there's some things, I know there's like revenge porn and things like that, but I don't well, know that's, if... That's, that's a whole other entirely different... No, no, that's different, but what I'm saying is that yeah. derived from internet offences, right? There's a whole class of offences now that are now criminal. Um, the cyber stalking element i'm not too sure um exactly the the details however and again we have to go back to the constitution because nigeria has a written constitution what does the constitution <laughs> say about freedom of speech now i know my knowledge of living in the uk my knowledge of knowing a lot about the us people can generally you know without being um, malicious, I think, is the, that's the key thing here. That's because we're talking about a very high bar, and maliciousness suggests some sort of kind of preemptive kind of thought to damage. Really, you know, you you plan to damage them with your words. You plan to destroy their reputation. I don't know what the standard is for cyber stalking or whatever the gentleman did, but I do feel that critiquing should not be stifled because how else do you have? open discourse? How else do you have challenge? I think ultimately we're asking the question here. They don't want people to challenge, you know? So, 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 so it's tricky now. Yeah. It's tricky. So if, if a random person says something, then I guess it doesn't really matter. But if you have a large platform 
Yeah. You have a large platform. I guess like you, you have a responsibility to you do. I mean, we've spoken about that respect with your with your words yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. So you know there is there's a fine line to be drawn. But I think for for those of us who I guess care about like liberties and stuff like that, like the the your bias should be towards free speech. Should be towards letting people say as much as you want. Although you know on the flip side, the internet is driving everybody fucking crazy. And the internet does because now, like, if if you want to stop Bud Light, for example, from mm-hmm. having Dylan Mulvaney, a trans you know woman, as your campaign activist, you just need to flood blood, um, Bud Light's comments with you know hateful messages. Or if you want to destroy, if you do anything that gets people mad on Twitter, they go to your business, flood your your comments with comments. I mean, so that um, I can see, I can see why you know, and the legislature. It's funny. Nigeria is one of these funny places where there are areas where you'd expect them to be very efficient and effervescent about. They choose where, and it's usually the areas that affect the status quo. Cyberstalking, like I said, in many jurisdictions, is still a very much developing area of legislation, which is why I mentioned, you know, the revenge um, aspect because in the UK that's you know, very... revenge porn is an entirely different. No, no, no. Thing. What I'm saying is you're not understanding mm-hmm. what I'm saying. These mm-hmm. are areas that they're just starting to legislate. They're just okay. they're starting yeah. to craft. So if you think about legislations around the world, the internet is kind of went through the phase of oh, what is this? Oh, this is exciting. Oh no, this is powerful. Yeah, oh, oh no, no, yeah. Now creating new crimes. How do we deal with this? So that's why I use that particular example because I know in the UK there's been a big push, rightly so, to criminalize it. And you know, one of the there was a very well-known Z-lister kind of he appears on these reality TV shows. He jumps about, and he was he's he's in, jail. He's in jail at the moment. Yeah, and rightly so because. I mean, so, okay, so just just for for some context for people who don't know what revenge porn is, that's when you're in a consensual relationship with somebody previously. And over the course of your sexual activities, you guys exchange, you know, nudes or spicy pictures. And, you know, you guys broke up or oh, fell out. And then, you or <laughs> you guys recorded your home video. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and uh, as a result of your falling out or whatever, the person decides to, you know, take out their anger by releasing, you know, private pictures of you. That's a crime. You will go to public. jail for that. Do yeah, you, you'd go to jail for that. Now, we, we're, we're going to segue to another topic, but I think we brought up something interesting with these new things that are hard for us to deal with. And when, you know, when ChatGPT first came out, you know, when OpenAI first came out, when you uh-huh. were able to type in some words and have AI know, generate a picture for you. I still don't know how to ChatGPT is fantastic. Like, or ChatGPT, you're able to use it to, like, edit stuff for you or to write emails. I used to edit, like, emails, you know, or tap out like stuff or stuff that I'm writing. I say, give me feedback. Very smart, very powerful AI. Everyone was excited about like, you know, the value that it could bring to society. Now AI can make music too. You know, AI, you can basically feed in the voice of a, of an artist or something and have, and have it spit out like, so Drake is singing Palazzo or, or, or Drake is singing um, I Spice. He thought I was feeling you like, you know, so like, but you, now, see, you see, it's funny we talk about. There, 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 there was a song that came out, you know, with Drake and The Weekend, basically that sound like something like a smash. Yeah, Drake and AI. Yeah, Drake and AI Weekend, and now Universal Music Group is basically you know, no time threatening like, any and everyone. Tuesday, they already and it's gone. And it's gone off the internet. 
this is why I love, like I did intellectual property um, law, and one of the things I really, really enjoyed about it was like there's a jurisprudential issue, there's a morality issue. I think sometimes, and this came to the fore with COVID. Don't worry, I'm going somewhere. Mm. At what point is knowledge for the preserve of commerce versus the public good? At what point do you have right over something? And in this, look, they had their right to get rid of fake AI Drake and AI I mean, pirating their songs. They had every right to, to kind of... No, no, no. I mean, like, no. The issue is that by virtue of the fact that they own the rights to Drake's publishing, yeah, I think they effectively own Drake's voice, like his... This his is the music. thing. And this is the thing. Are they... Can't, should a record company be able to own... Because if you think about it, is AI Drake Drake? Really? Like, if you start delving into the question of... It's a synthesizer. I mean, it's, it's, it's his not, voice. No, no, but hang on. It's Because you can take Drake's voice, and this is how I don't know, again, hands in the air, I'm not all too technical. So I don't know if we, if we did an analysis of the voice on the AI. Did they use a sample of Drake's voice? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it, it sounds like Drake. Like, so, like, it's, it, you can't... No, no, so, so you can't... No, so I, I know, I know, I know what you're getting at. Um, but I think with 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 this kind of like copyright things with music, for example, like the cadence matters. Like you, you can't just borrow somebody's cadence. You can't just borrow somebody's flow. Like you can't just take somebody's voice and then recreate something with it. So obviously, like there are ethical concerns, like you say. Um, but but at the same time, I think you bring up a good point that like is knowledge, I guess, for the preserve of humanity. Or are you allowed to privatize? People don't realize that during COVID, one of the biggest fights that was going on behind the scenes was. That discovery that okay they could use the it was the mRNA they could basically like engineer the vaccine right in the non traditional way traditionally you inject the vaccine into you 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 basically make the body f- create a resistance to whatever disease it is you basically use it's By a injecting rat, the disease lab rat mm. um, method that we've used for centuries right the body will eventually. This creation is magnificent. We will eventually create some sort of cure or some sort of defense eventually, but it will take time because it has to be defeated. It has to learn. It has, the cells have to be defeated, learn, defeated, learn. Eventually, they will then come up with something. But obviously, the speed because COVID was, you know, just like a wildfire through the world's population. Now, people don't know that the reason why there was like initial, oh, there's no vaccine, oh, there's no vaccine. Was yes, there was no vaccine, but trust me, those who watched Colony, those who watched all these people, CDC has known for years that there was this was the most likely form of pandemic. This airborne animal, to it wasn't a surprise, yeah. It's not it's just because, as human beings, going about your daily day, you don't pay attention to things that don't really concern you. I mean, why should you? The brain only has enough space to keep things at its forefront, Mm. but trust me, scientists were worrying for 30 years about the potential for an airborne COVID SARS virus, right? SARS has even happened. Those that know, know. SARS happened in 2002. SARS happened again. There was another outbreak again. So this SARS is just that it's a version 19. That now was very deadly. I say this to say that there was a big issue on intellectual property because what even slowed down some of the production was the idea that, I don't know what companies came up with the actual mRNA type of... um, Approaches the RNA. Apologies to scientists if I'm using the wrong acronyms. 
or the synthetic formation essentially of the vaccine was that somebody had the IP, a company somewhere, don't know where. Mm. And there was this whole thing of like, I don't know if you remember the global south versus the global north. Yeah. And countries were stockpiling like UK included. UK was like the worst. UK yeah, was, and that, that, that they had to destroy eventually. <laughs> they, were just, the vaccines. Just yeah. like, they were just like going to those places, taking all the vaccines, like just stockpiling on them. No, we're, we're asking, we're asking is an ethical question. So if, if you have the intellectual property for a vaccine that can save millions of lives, yeah. you are not, you're not obliged to share it with the world. In fact, you are you are well within your rights to profit to make as much yeah, yeah. make as much profit from it as you want. Um, but I think there's some limits because I know like there was one guy, there was one guy who was sued. I think I, I can't remember what kind of medicine, whether it was HIV medicine or so that that they inflated the price like two hundred x or so. Um, you know, and and they got sued, and I think they lost the case. Um, 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 you know, actually, the the thing with like this this AI stuff, I think because it's it's Drake's voice, like it's Drake is the weekend's voice. I think you're, you're feeding their voice into a machine and having the machine use their voice to, you know, I guess, like, do whatever. And the implications are, like, far-reaching because, like, I don't know if you've seen those pictures of, like, the Pope playing basketball. You know, the AI stuff, to me, I find really strange. Like, I, I just I find it disconcerting because I yeah, think, yeah. for me, the biggest thing, that the biggest kind of concern is that there's no regulation. And when I say regulation, I don't mean like... It seems like as human beings, we're so we're always stuck on the reactive. At the moment, it's like people are just creating things. There are already things out there. And when I look at some pictures, I, I have this internal sense generally, and I don't know if people have this. If his picture is not real, there's a way you're, you get it's disconcerting. No, you not tell. You can't look at an AI picture. No, tell. no, no, no. I mean, I, I, I think there, there, there are these, there, there are these like um very pixelated, very like animated pictures. Like I tell, obviously, this was generated. So if you see like those pictures of American presidents as rappers, definitely like you know, or American presidents with tattoos, you can tell. Like you see um um Theodore Roosevelt with with earphones, yeah. and you know that as an AI generated picture. But I, I think the risk is that like like you can have a deep fake. similarity. There's a percentage of the like I can, I, most of them when I tell, when I see them, I can tell. But then also it's a case of a repository of what we used to call common sense. Sometimes if you see the Pope playing basketball, your brain should tell you that an 80-something-year-old man wearing a puffer, a Gucci puffer jacket, all white. But that's but, because you know is the Pope. Well, right? this is what I'm trying to say. So that, this is the problem with humanity. People always assume knowledge. It's a, it's a very bad habit that many people have. There's this assumption that everybody has gone to the same level of education that you have or has mm, mm. that you have. The problem with things like this is that you can take it, there are places you take this thing to a certain parts of the world. And they'll be looking at it like, oh my god, yeah, so the Pope plays basketball. Like, even in this England, if you take if I there are places I can take you to, they'll be like, Oh wow, there are places where people drop out of So, so it's the phenomenon of, of a lie travels around the world faster than you know a truth can even that's get out of is. like the and that's why I mean about the control element because and this is where again we're not going to if we start getting to morality sometimes I mean you can't you can't legislate for people's stupidity. You, you, you can't you can't legislate for so as I so you're well within your rights to you know I mean, obviously, I think suicide is a crime, but you're you're well within your rights if you have a if you have a family, as long as you're not committing any crime. You're well within your rights to teach your children that two plus two equals to six. 
Like there, there's there's nothing that the government you know can, can do about it. I mean, it it would be hard to establish that you are you know committing like child um, like you're committing any kind of malpractice or you're endangering the lives of your children in such a way that the state is required to take them from you. But there's a limit to like you know your advice to wear helmets, your advice to wear your seatbelts. Now these things are criminalized also, but like there's only so far that like the states can hold the hand of people. And so, like, you, you have to find there's a thin line between regulating data and stifling creativity because you, you have to be able to use the AI to do whatever you want. But if somebody is dumb enough to believe that the Pope was playing basketball, how, how is how is the government supposed to help them? I think, well, the thing is people genuinely do believe that. I think that's... The, the people, you know, at least at first glance, look at things and like, oh... So the Pope was doing this or the Pope was doing that, you know, you'd be surprised. Really, really no, I, I will be surprised. If if somebody actually did believe that, that I would be surprised. Um but 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 again, I, I think the risk has to do with like, you know, deep fakes and stuff like that. And how I guess like um how foreign adversaries could, could deep fake a conversation like like the way they supposedly did with Peter B and and Bishop Oyedipo. Um well, stuff like I, that. I that's why you have to evolve, you know. Um Counter surveillance now has to be. That's why you have places like GCHQ in the UK. Um, the US has, you know, cybersecurity divisions are going to become the new hot cake, like deciphering, bringing up tech to a level where you can. Because that's what I said about. I don't know the specifics, but there must be a way for me to tell a real voice from a. Film. There is a way. There, there, there is a way. There will be tech, and then that's the new area. That's the new frontier. Because no, but there, there's also tech to do it. But, but but as you mentioned, as you mentioned, even if a tech comes out and says, "Oh, this thing is not true," before the tech can finish analyzing, you know, because they will break down, they will break down the the audio, micro analyze each second, feed it into a system that will tell you whether or not it's AI or not. By the time you do that, Bashir Ahmed has already shared the clip among hundreds of WhatsApp groups in the north in Hausa language, talking about how Peter Obi and Bishop Oyedi were planning war. Those guys won't hear the the contradiction or the correction, mm-hmm. um, and there's actually there's no way to legislate for that. Like you understand, know, the the laws only matter up to a certain extent. People have to be the ones to like you know um, act in good faith or act as principled human beings. Um, and a, a good a good place that actually like we see this happening is in Sudan, like where where there's a clear like you know variance between the expectations of law-abiding people or people who believe in, like, the rule of law and human, I guess, just wickedness. Um, and so, like, for those who don't know, about 420 people have died um, so far because there's a war in Sudan between two rival factions. Um, basically, the clashes between the Sudanese armed forces led by one General Abdel Fattah al-Burhan and the Rapid Support Forces Parliamentary group led by one General Mohammed Hamdan Dagalo. Those guys were allies before when they overthrew the um, brutal dictator of Sudan in 2019, um, Omar al Bashir. Those two guys, in addition with the UN, the US government, lots of international players, were supposed to put Sudan on a path towards becoming a democracy. So, you know, they were supposed to manage power between themselves eventually hold elections, eventually, you know, include some civilian organizations in the running of the country. But in the course of trying to decide who is more senior to who, they decided to blow everything up. 
Uh, how, how, I mean, and we're here talking about like, you know, the, the rule of law and how like laws can only get us so far. In, in Sudan, I'm sure there are laws on the books. There's, there's, you know, there, there was, there were established guidelines that the UN had set, the international agencies have had set. But these guys decided, you know what, fuck all of that. Like, who has the biggest gun is who's going to win. And now lots of Nigerians are stuck there. Lots of people are stuck there. The US has been able to get these people out. But I mean, Dan, what would you make of another example of, of Africa? I mean, it's, oh, it's so, country being... so, so sad. I mean, you look at it and Sudan, I now hear, and there's always, you, you have conflict somewhere. I'm, I'm a big geography buff, you know, kind of. For me, it goes history, politics, geography. You know, those are my three favorite kind of topics, things to talk about, physical and um, physical mm. and human geography. I was going to look, what's this area known for? What's in there? What's in there? So that has gold. Okay. So I'm like, I didn't know this because I, I knew a lot about Sudan. I didn't know they had gold. So I'm like, okay. There's two brothers. Brothers not obviously related, but brothers in arms fight on the same side. Okay. They're fighting the established order. Okay. All the vested interests. What was the established order stopping foreign countries from doing? Because it's one of two things, right? It's, it's internal or external pressure. What internal pressure is the usual? Very similar, actually, to Nigeria. <laughs> Some of the north-south divide, religious um, issues. The only thing is that the south of Sudan is a lot more homogenous. Well, it's not religious now. They're, they're both, these guys are both like Islamic people. Like The, the current yeah. reporting now is that the conflict has to do with, like, one, one of them is the general of the Sudanese armed forces. One of them is the head of a paramilitary force that was supposed to be integrated into no, no, the saying, armed forces. No, I'm saying Sudan in general, because obviously, you know, yeah. it's north-south, so, you know, the whole issue. So it's the Sudan that is still Sudan, that is left mm. northern Port, well, northernish and bits of the middle. Okay. Now, I'm like, why are these two brothers fighting? You talked about seniority, who's who, who's the bigger, who's got the bigger schlong and all this mm. kind of stuff. And I'm like, who are the vested interests? Ah, okay. So I start, I start hearing about US interests versus Russian interests. And it's like, yeah, yeah, we'll get, it's a cold war. It's a cold war. It's, and Africa is the chessboard, right? I mean, I, I heard that, but I don't know that I agree um, necessarily. I, I, I understand. Don't agree. I deal in facts. I don't deal in. Um... No, 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 no. I mean, but 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 if the fact that we know now is that you know we we know okay we, with the guys let, let, let's let's indulge your Cold War conversation for for a bit here. Russia was trying to establish a a naval base in you know um, an an area in Sudan. I think like Sudan has like a a very strategic like location in terms of access to the Red Sea. So Russia was trying to establish like a naval base there. And the U.S. government said, no, Sudanese people don't allow Russia to establish your, um, you know, your, your base here. I mean, no, no, not a shock to anyone, but, but we don't know that. Like, yeah, I know you're being sarcastic, but like I'm saying that like that's, that's one fact. But like as far as we know right now, the, the, the fighting has nothing to do with like now the U.S. is going to have to take a side. Which I don't know that they, which I don't know that they have yet, because the, the people who have influence in Sudan right now, I think, are Egypt, Russia, like you said, the Middle East, all people that US doesn't have any US influence in the Middle East is, is waning and is limited to you know Israel and some other parts, um, um, in Egypt as well. 
you know, U.S. interests, you I mean, the U.S. like influence has effectively been diminished, like you know, um, um, significantly. So the U.S. even have to pick a side eventually. But as of right now, I don't know that they have picked a side. Um, so I, I don't know that I agree with this. Your your Cold War, like or the Cold War, like believe it's so, not enough to just jump from the u.s doesn't want them to have a just have a never base there to it's a cold war in sudan right i'm not saying it's, quite, it's, it's a bit of a leap i'm talking about vested interests um so i'm saying that the trigger might as well have been internal but we know that there's surrounding there's a narrative there russia wants to build some sort of passage there in terms of access to a key part so for many that don't know the Suez canal obviously is the most strategic trading you know piece of water in the world yeah um, no but Suez canal was developed by sudanese pirates are famous there's a whole movie you know <laughs> sudan, sudan and somalia and yeah. the u.s so like and the u.s conducts a lot of business with Suez canal so that is a direct the u.s has u.s interest the u.s doesn't have African interest. The U.S. has its own foreign. Watch any U.S. show. They'll tell you time is that number. Watch the actions in Afghanistan. The U.S. has its own interest, as it should, to be honest, you know? And that's what the majority of its people that voted for a Republican president in the last kind of, you know, cycle before this one and in midterms and stuff. That's why they're doing so well, because people want U.S. politicians to look inward. Look at our problems. What are our issues? Let foreign excursions be to solve our internal issues. Fair enough. That's their prerogative. So that's the context you just have to put the Sudan thing in. And I think no, I, I, I don't agree. Why? Why do you need to put this in the Cold War context? I, I'm, I'm still struggling to see like, like the. Talk about okay. Do we need to go into it? Do we need to talk about arms? Who's supplying? No, I know. I mean, okay, I know. If, if you want to act, okay, you want to act brand new. Okay, let's talk about it. Somebody, no, no, I know. As in. Our, 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 our great auntie, our great auntie Chimamanda, once said that we should be careful of the dangers. Uh, Chimamanda, as I said, we should be careful of the dangers of a single story. And the single story here is this convenient retort to everything is a great power conflict. No, you understand? no, 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 no it's a great power conflict no, between. Who said about religious and the, I talked about the geographical issues. I talked about the fact that obviously you have radicalization that has been going on i did give that context i talked about gold no, no, no. So, how about how about the simpler more terrifying context which is that it's it's simply corruption in an african country rearing up its head again like it's 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 that that that, that, that it's simply it's simply power hungry people mm. who have dehumanized their fellow africans yeah. to the extent to the extent where the only thing they care about is their own enrichment and we don't have to make it a story about the U.S. versus Russia. It is simply corrupt, powerful men in Sudan burning the country down, like, you know, fighting over power at the expense of their fellow Sudanese people. That is obviously a fundamental part of it. But two things can be true. In fact, three sure. or five things. I understand Chimamanda's quote in full to be that the truth is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As your view, my view, and the facts as they are. So the truth is somewhere in that Venn diagram of issues. Sure. Your point is well made. And we're both from Nigeria, so we we see this firsthand, right? The idea of corruption and power and dehumanization. I think that's a very key point. We have to understand that these are people's lives. I saw 
a very moving interview between a third brother who has two brothers on opposite sides of the divide. They could ultimately kill themselves. These are three brothers born of the same mother. And they are for ideals or for, 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 for essentially, you know, two groups who, like you said, are just fighting. Just the idea of, you know, trying to gain that power by all means, crushing their own people in the process, crushing their own infrastructure. I saw them setting fire to some fighter jets. Fighter jets are not cheap. They, they, they don't want anyone leaving the country, so they're bombing like like planes, basically, there. Nigerian students are stuck. No, they, and, and I think why this, this thing is so important, because like, like I said, they were allies before. They overthrew a dictator in 2019. Hmm. Now, between 2019 and 2021, all the international groups you know, were flying to Sudan, trying to get them, help them to broker some type of peace. In two, as of 2021, Sudan was still effectively, they had never had a civilian democratic government and that was a dream that everyone had. And, you know, they, they were supposed to work work together to come up with, like, a pathway to doing something. And now, basically, they've fallen out and are fighting. Um, I, I, want to, I want to ask you a provocative question because I, I feel like I want to dwell on this issue of let's just keep it within, within Africa and within our, ourselves as people. Because we both saw in Nigeria, somebody put up a poster saying, Yoruba jobs, your jobs in Yoruba states should be for Yoruba people only. That one is not foreign influence. So that's a Nigerian. Yeah. It, uh, and Igbo and, and Abi supporter got a job driving trains for Lagos. And Yoruba people, many Lagosians are saying the Lagos government should not employ anybody who doesn't support APC. As in, that's, that's Nigerians that's, that's, them, that's themselves. That's, that's a ridiculous notion and oppressive. Reductive, to be honest. So it's not far-fetched to suggest that like Hey, this has nothing to do with with foreign powers. I don't know what you're saying. But this this is this is at what points? At what points? Um, and this is my appropriate question. At what points do we have to take responsibility? Ask, not just take responsibility. Ask ourselves some very very hard questions. Yeah. Do we need like five years of some colonial influence? Or something like that, because because if you leave it, if you leave it to, on a previous, I remember saying this before, and um, on the previous iteration, <laughs> I remember espousing this opinion, and the feedback wasn't great. I mean, I get where you're coming from, but I think the issue is that for me and for you, I can only speak for our experiences. We've lived amongst said colonizers, and they've they're somewhat demystified to me now. To be honest, I, I I think that there's an overrated. There's certainly overrated. There are actually some key skills though that I feel that a society of, um, and I think this is one thing we need to understand. They were allowed to develop uninterrupted, apart from world wars, which they yeah no sure which were incited, you know, kind of within different factions and things like that. Kingdoms like the Ife Kingdom, Dahomey, Benin Kingdom, um, Kalabari, they were, they were disrupted and destroyed. They were not allowed to develop in a linear way. Um, we talk about bathing, we talk about algebra. This all came from sub-Saharan Africa, or at least the Maghreb, at the very least. <laughs> so when we, no, 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 I'm, just, I'm, I'm saying this to explain something, because I feel like we, this all in time, when you talk about, oh, we should have a period of colonialism, because I look at South Africa, I'll give you an example. 
I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not asking for it to I'm I'm not I'm not saying this watch. We're having a this is this is this is and this is a level of discourse that you have to be very and I'm, I'm not here pumping us up, but you have to dissociate yourself emotionally to be able to have mm. it's a very it, it, it's triggering, right? Because if you think about it, when you think about things that perpetuate racism, racist ideals, it's things like this, unfortunately. It, it, it's the idea that black people cannot govern themselves properly. Cannot, cannot self-govern. And again, we don't, we're not saying this to trigger anybody listening. We just need to have this kind of conversation where, and I say this because I look at um, Barbados, Mayor Motley, excellent prime minister. So there are black nations who are governing themselves very well. We're talking purely from an African context now. Let me be very, very clear. Because, how, have, you, have you been to the Barbados? Because, I mean, I, I, I can't speak to Barbados completely. I have, but like, I've, I've been to Jamaica, and it's not like it's not like, but it's better. It's better. We, we, the Caribbean is still better. To our Caribbean mm-hmm. brothers, your governments, you complain. Yes, I, I know. I know a lot of Jamaicans, obviously. I know a lot of Bayans. You know, their governments are still better. They're not. They, they also have their own big problems with corruption. You know, and violence. You know, and and and, and crime and. You know, underfunding of education, social and brain drain, where most of the Jamaicans, most of the bar- but their are still West. better. Let's be honest. Yeah, if we they are, a, they are better. Yeah. If we had an index, they're still better. Now let's go back to Africa. Let's not let's not trigger our Caribbean listeners. Mm. Now, if we talk about Africa, because I remember when I said let's have a theoretical discussion. Let's look at South Africa, for example. There's a lot of infrastructure that's still, I mean, it's sadly some of it's dilapidating now because coincidentally, and this when is the where black people took over, ones, though, you have to have new ones because there's a psychological scarring where you are a majority in a land where you're suppressed and you're oppressed. You don't own land, you have no access to the levels of education and infrastructure. The social ideal, there's a scene in power. Sorry, guys, I'm digressing. The New Power Book 2, where they have a row of students. It's um, it's some sort of like classics class. It's all about theor- theor- theocracy and all this kind of thing. And different factors are read out in terms of single homes, mom and dad together, grew up with siblings, trust fund, all these kind of ladders in life. And at the back were black women, especially. Tariq, mm. you, might, you guys might know Tariq, or somewhere in the middle, I think. Obviously, all the white students were to the Well, it's like, take, take a now, step forward if you exactly. grew up in a two-parent household, yeah. Why do I say that? There are structural issues, and that's why in the African country, again, this is a conversation you have to dissociate. Stay with us. We Two things can be true, right? There is definitely, if I put my African Niger brother somewhere, who has not been exposed to a level of understanding and appreciation who has raised in suffering? Do you get what I'm trying to say? They want to pad up first. Because who wants to suffer again? Nobody wants to go back to poverty, abject poverty. Nobody wants insecurity. However, no, 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 no but like, where, where do you draw the line? Where, where do you draw the line between understanding and enabling? Because, because I mean, it's. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming out. Okay, I'm, coming out. I'm curious to see you draw this line. There are fundamental things that are right. In your enrichment, do not infringe on the rights of others to also have a right to be enriched. What I have against African politicians is the idea that education is in shambles, yet you're sending your kids abroad because you are 
Taking resources from your fellow people, that to me is wrong. Nobody is saying you don't go into a place and you, you know, you become wealthier. Fine, that is your perk of politics. No, I mean, no. What, what, what are you saying? It's not. It's not fine because because you're the the. Wait, 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 why, wait. why can't the politician give the excuse that I was poor before? Nah, I don't no, want to suffer again. No, you didn't listen to what I said. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that you can your station can improve in life. However, it must not be at the expense of your constituents or your fellow citizens. That's the point I'm trying to make. Nobody is saying you go into office and there are not perks. In the US, you get you become a house of rep. I'm sure they give you a stipend. You are entitled bro, to bro. your car, your official car. AOC is one of the most popular politicians in the country. She lives in a freaking one-bedroom apartment with her, with her partner in New York. You tell me she doesn't get a stipend? Of she gets she a stipend. No, but, but, as, no, but, but she, makes, she makes like a hundred and something thousand dollars a year. I know, that's what I'm saying. You don't, the politicians, you don't the politicians in, in Nigeria are the richest people in the country. That's what I'm saying. You earn your salary. Why are you stealing again from the coffers? That's what I'm trying to say. You earn, because they suffered before now. But then, that's what I'm saying. I understand that you suffered, but your elevation to the fact that you're now one of the best paid should be enough for you. The greed does not need to extend to you stealing no, public resources. I, I think making this about politicians, while I agree with you, okay, it's, 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 it's also, I mean, so, so, so in, in, in the churches that like people go to, what, what are they all praying for? Prosperity. To blow. No, no, it's, it's, to, it's to blow. It's to blow. The, the, the flex that the pastor is flexing, and I, I will never forget this. Allegedly, it, allegedly. I will never forget. I will never forget the flex that the pastor was flexing about how they have private jets, about how last week they asked for they asked for one kind of TV, and this week they ended up with twenty thousand flat screen high tech TVs, and people are all shouting. That is the Nigerian dream. No, no sense of enterprise or willingness to work. Everybody wants to blow. So, so when so when the Nigerian is faced with a situation where their road is bad. Instead of civically engaging their local government chairman, they are praying to buy Range Rover or to buy Prado so that they can, you know, no longer have to deal with the bad road. Or they are playing praying to blow so that they can build their house in and elevate their land so that it will be higher than the bad road that is there. Like it, politicians, is it's one aspect to or in Nigeria in in the US. I don't know how it is in the UK, but in the US there are many roads where there are dedicated lanes for couple. Yeah, and it's against the law to drive those lanes. Yeah, we have. The same. And people don't. I, I sometimes break those rules, but I mean, it's, if it's a court, it's a fine. In Nigeria, nobody gives a fuck about like if if it's a three if it's a three lane road, as long as there's an extra space to pass, people will pass it. I understand your point, and I, 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 this is where I do agree with you. And my view is that ultimately, there has to be an introspection. There has to be an understanding that because when Nigerians come abroad, they follow, they learn very quickly. Otherwise, you end up in jail, you end up with a fine, you end up with a speeding ticket if you don't follow the rules. And I think that's where the society has to take responsibility for itself. But you about think, Nigerians do you now, think introspection will help us, or do you think we could do with a strong man? Where did, because because um, I mean, I mean, and, and, and this is a theoretical question, but it's a complicated theoretical question. As well. I, the way I see, it, you know, for like and. This is one of the arguments that people were making about um, Ashwaju. The problem is that it, there's so many scandals, and you know it's it's. Oh, the other issue is it if 
the idea that he was a strong personality. And I would have believed that if he wasn't a frail version of himself. He was strong, but he's also a thief now. What 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 leg does he have to tell anybody not to steal anything? What you're advocating, I think, is is the name escaped me now, the the Singaporean um, visionary. Those are the kind of people, or even um, a Jerry Rawlings, perhaps, um, who's still celebrated in Ghana. Now, the the thing with that is essentially you need a revolution. That that's ultimately where we're going because to bring those kind of characters who are social, they're so aware. Their self awareness is on a hundred. They're about community. They're about elevating the most amount of their people. You need a revolution because the status quo will not let go. And I, I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but that's just facts. And ultimately in Africa, if you look at it, at the moment, capitalism is king. The The idea of revolution was there when you had your Patrick Lumumba's. You know, it was the 1960s. That was the time, really. That was the time you had the Thomas Sankara. Everybody just wants to make money. You had the gentleman in, in uh, Congo, DRC. You know, so you, these are all the places where, like, when you look at it and we're talking about the <laughs> the colonial... I don't know how it would... Because now, you know, everything... Everyone work. You know, it's very difficult. Like, if you want to go and colonize somewhere now, they will mobilize on Malian Twitter for arguments. Yeah, yeah, no, so, 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 I mean, I, I would grant that, like, and, and again, we're just asking questions, quote-unquote. Um, no, no one today has the morale standing to this try and colonize anybody. On what basis? Um, you know, even aid now, sometimes some countries will refuse aid just to prove a yeah, point. Yeah, no, no, no one has the morale standing to colonize anybody. Introspection definitely is required. But as you mentioned, your people's stomach comes first before any other consideration. And you have to, it's a cultural thing. You have to imbibe in people the culture of, um, of perseverance, of sacrifice, of working hard to get results, of not looking to blow, you understand, or not seeing overnight success as, you know, the dream, basically. Um, of being willing to settle for a good life, you know, with, with a picket fence and a wife and kids and all that kind of stuff. Um, even though like, you know, the, the dream of succeeding or whatever is there. But I guess like, you know, as always, we're always willing to touch on super controversial topics. Um, um, here we're, we're going to do a bit on, on Elon's $8 check mark, but fuck, fuck Elon Musk. Um, we could do that in two minutes. Um, I, what I found interesting was the reaction of a lot of, I mean, he understands that. I think Elon has come in, and this is why when people are like, oh, this person is a genius, the small print is always in their particular field. There's a reason mm. why if there's experts. We have something called expertise. One person cannot know everything in every area. Elon Musk is a brilliant scientist, car scientist, car designer, EV, electromagnetic car guy. Fantastic. He doesn't know shishi about social media. He doesn't understand the business. And he has taken... Twitter was... <laughs> Twitter was not the most commercial business. It wasn't... Financially, it was just like doing better than breaking even. It wasn't... But, but it worked. But it was the most influential social media platform. It worked. It worked in a way where the other platforms subsumed of Twitter. Even TikTok. TikTok blows, yeah. But it's giving context on Twitter. Like, mm. this is the power of Twitter. Twitter is like the news verifier. 
the idea of like this exclusive thing where this you saw a tick and you're like okay your brain associated that with a particular level of scrutiny that had been given obviously there were but there were people who were very resentful of that you know um and so this is where where you let libertarian kind of ideals of i should be able to attain whatever i want to attain that's not how life is I will never be six it's, seven it's, with a pull, with and pull up from seventeen feet. I can't do it. No, no, it's, it's, it's not even just like I should be able to attain whatever whatever I want to attain because I mean, technically you can you can do that. But 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 the idea that there's no such thing as expertise or the idea that like you know um, a certain level of achievement, yeah. yeah, the idea that a certain level of achievement does not confer elite status is just a lie. Um, you know there there are such a thing as like elite. You can't earn a certain amount of money or develop influence in a certain you're amount talking, of way that grants about, you elite status. And that's so. what you're saying about Africa and stuff. Like the truth is, there's the beauty in being. What we want is the opportunity, and this is why America. I feel like despite you know the crazy gun laws and all these kind of things, it's still so so attractive to many people. Anybody can work beyond their station to achieve the next station. That's mm. the American dream. You can go from working class, but they're still working class, and the working class people know this is working class. Those that want to stay yeah. there are happy to stay there. There's middle yeah. class. Those who want to stay there can stay there. If you want to fight up, there's upper class. Then if you want to get into Illuminati, you know, so, uh, I just, that was yeah, if you, like you can. The idea is that these are the strata. That is the reality of human society. This bumblebee idea that you know. You're just gonna come in, and then just you and yours, and then you're just gonna take all the money, and it's it's one of it's holding Africa back. That's just uh, that's, that's yeah. Africa. I mean, but like you know, like I, I think everyone is just having fun watching everything, like you know, be destroyed, and um, it, it's it's hilarious to watch people who paid for the blue tick complaining that like oh celebrities are so mean and selfish for the money James to buy. Still he's paid but Elon wasn't he's no, not no, stupid. Elon he, didn't, he didn't pay he certain people no no like um Elon yeah. paid for him right so yeah like, it, it's, it's, it's defeating the elite people it's defeating the people need the app people and, and I found it so funny so many celebrities were like Halle Berry's reactions were funny because there are some people who don't really even engage like oh I'm leaving and I'm like bro you don't even like there are people I know on Twitter who might not even be in my sphere of daily life, but I find them very engaged. I always, from time to time, you see them, they're engaging people, they give commentary on things. They're not necessarily that they're on field. Someone like LeBron James, if he sees like something social justice or like a viral t- video of like a, you know, some illegal arrest, he will comment. That's influencing the culture. There are people that like, um, he, uh, what's he called? This actor is very, um, Chris... Mr. Captain America. I know there are a few times he'll comment on stuff. Like, there are people that comment who are not necessarily... That's the whole context of the socialization mm. of the world. Look, people coming out, oh, I'm leaving now. Bro, you never used to tweet anyway. Who, who are you? Just, the, there's a kind of entitlement. And I was... It was nice yeah. to see them get humbled a little bit. But... No, know, like, no, no one is being humbled. Like, it's, it's stupid. Like, the, the idea that, like... It's pretty stupid. It's, it's stupid, like because you, you've lost basically the draw of Twitter. People were providing you free content. The celebrities who were there, like yeah. it, it means nothing, little or nothing to them. They're providing free content and verification was a way of knowing this is the real person, essentially. But there were some butthurt right wingers who felt that, like you know, Twitter was being run by left wing elitists who were sharing the blue checks we among about, themselves. We, we we said it was the ultimate. Is it the ultimate to 
And it's a classic capitalist tactic, actually. Why attack something when you can destroy it from the inside? You should have just destroyed shout it. Out, shout out to Beth. Um, those of you who've not watched um, Yellowstone, go watch Yellowstone. Beth Dutton. Like, that's the ultimate strategy. Destroy it from the inside. Like, if you just... Because you look at it, it's like every move he's made, I think some of it is like he's panicked, poor strategy, not understanding social media. Not understand- One thing about Jack, and that's why we're talking about Jack, potentially opening yeah. a new app. Jack has the ingredients. Like, um, he knows what to make people engage. Like, people already know that Jack was the guy that made Twitter, <laughs> made it work. Because yeah. when he left, his value, his value, and that's why Jack will continue to go to, he will continue to be an angel investor, investing in the next big tech. And um, VCs will be flocking to him. They will be flocking to him. Yeah, no, I mean, you, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. he has proven, you know, Twitter, <laughs> yeah. um, Square. Yeah, no, nah, it's, 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 it's all good, man. Anywho, like, this this was a fun episode. Went, oh, went, went. Went over like an hour. We're doing we're doing great. Um, you know, subscribe, like, share, comment, um, and oh, comment. And we'll see you guys next week. Cheers, bye. Uh, um.